today's episode, episode number six, Steve Kaufman, my guy from Island Garden. I remember the first time I worked with him. I want to let him tell the story. Um, he's a great basketball official. He also started to dabble into volleyball, which we will definitely get in depth. Uh, I didn't even know he played college basketball, but we'll get into that. And also his time as an assistant coach at Adelphi University. Um, and we will also see if he has any type of interest in baseball. My conversation with Steve coming up next. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land, code REFEREERANT. Okay, it's Wednesday, 9.36, December 27th. I'm with my man, Steve Kaufman. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? It's an outstanding uh, basketball official that I've had the pleasure to work with for over three years. Uh, he's a varsity basketball official in Nassau County, and he just tried his hand with a new sport, uh, volleyball. Mm. Uh, we just ref two games together. It was uh, an interesting experience, as always, at Island Garden. And I look forward to working with him in a real game. Yeah. Hopefully one day. That would be good. That so. Would be good. I did want to talk about when we first met. Yeah. It was January 2016, and I remember you thought I was new. Yes. Do you remember the first thing that you did when you saw me? No, the first thing that I did? Mm-hmm. No. What was it? Well, when you first saw me, you tried to uh, ease my fears well, yeah, of yeah, my first I, game. I, I guess for some reason you gave me the impression or the impression that I got uh, was... Uh, an official who hadn't officiated basketball for a very long time. So, which was true. Which was true. Yeah. Okay. But so at the time, I just kind of wanted to make you feel comfortable and not be nervous out there. And so I kind of like, you know, tried to ease your anxiety if you had any <laughs> by telling you basic stuff about what to look for and where to go and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then, ironically, about two minutes into the game, when you blew the whistle and you made your first decision, and I was like, oh, man, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was tricking you the whole time. Yeah, it could be. could be. That seemed to be how it was, and you impressed me right away. I appreciate it, man. Sure. Um, so... I guess the, the reason why we're all here is that we're still involved in the game of basketball. Yeah. I don't know if you've coached before, but I did want to speak on uh, your history of playing basketball, how you got into it. Mm-hmm. Did you play in college? Did mm-hmm. you play professional? Yes, yes. Well, you know, like any young boy growing up, uh, we were exposed to uh, many things, soccer, basketball, baseball, uh, football, and, um, and I played all those sports I played. Soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, and baseball typically in the uh, springtime. Um, but any time in my spare time, I would I always like to play basketball. And so just 
you know, fell in love with the game uh, and got to be pretty talented, pretty good at it, so much so that I was able to play varsity basketball at Lindbergh High School, and I went on and played college basketball, Division Two up at a school uh, in New Hampshire called Keene State, and uh, loved it. And But then when I graduated, that was the end of my basketball at the time. I was 21 years old, and pretty much I was done with basketball. And... You know, I thought about maybe coaching Little League and things like that, but it never really it never really was of any real interest to me. And, and truthfully, I got married, got involved, started having kids, and all of a sudden I wasn't doing anything with basketball until um, a friend of mine, a teammate of mine in college, uh, who after we graduated stayed in basketball as a coach and he started coaching college teams. And then lo and behold, he became the head basketball coach at Adelphi University. Uh, Steve Clifford? No, no, no. Uh, after Steve Clifford. Okay. Steve, when Steve Clifford left Adelphi and moved on to, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't remember what Clifford I think he went, went straight to the NBA. He might have. Uh, Jim Ferry. Okay. Jim Ferry became the head coach there, and uh, uh, we always stayed in touch. And suddenly, I had an opportunity to get back into basketball, and um, uh, was his assistant coach for two years. And I what year is this? This was um, 1999 and uh, 99, 2000, and 2000, 2001. It's two years. And subsequently, at the time, I don't re- know, I don't recall specifically what got me involved with becoming a basketball official. But I, uh, unfortunately, I don't really know specifically how I got involved. But somebody, some some contact somewhere, uh, got me uh, connected with Don Landolfi. And uh, so I emailed him, told him I was interested in becoming an official. And he got me, um, he told me about a basketball class to become officials at Baldwin High School, uh, which was some spring, uh, a springtime of, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. It was in the fall. To, you're going to have to, because I actually became an official in, in 2007. So... I don't know. I, I did basketball coaching there um, those two years, 99, 2000, then 2000, 2001, uh, and then was out of it. And I guess I got involved with my kids and everything. And then it was actually in 2007 uh, that I actually took the course to become an official. And it was a seven or eight week course. So maybe it was a 12 week course. Um, and we took a class every week for two, three hours, and uh, we had to then take uh, a written exam, which was very uh, stressful. And out of like the seventy questions that it were, we were only allowed to get like seven or eight wrong, mm-hmm. and it was all true and false. And they gave you bizarre scenarios, uh, and it was quite stressful and difficult, but fortunately I, I got through it and um, passed the written, and then I had to take uh, a floor exam, which I passed, and now I became a certified and official, 
and basically to kind of get you in, uh, into the sport, they give you lower-level games, and they also encourage you to do CYO and PAL and, um, uh, you know, uh, Little League games to kind of get your feet wet and kind of get you comfortable with uh, a different side of the game. And so I did that for, for, for many years um, and decided that I found it very, very rewarding um, uh, even to this day, now that I'm 10 years, 11 years plus into this, um, and I, I have the experience where I'm very, very comfortable in the court, whereas I've achieved, uh, I've grown and I've moved up to the varsity level of basketball uh, of high school, and uh, I'm very comfortable out there, and I find it very rewarding. Absolutely. I think it's great. I even get chills when... Uh, if I see a nice play go out there, a player making a nice move or something, it, it really excites me. It doesn't matter what the level is. It could be as high as a high school varsity level, or it could be, you know, third graders. If I see them do something uh, that is fundamentally correct the way that I see it, and even if I hear his coach telling him how to do something and then he follows his coach's direction, and he does it out there. It's terrific. I love it. I love it. Um, of course, the, you know, there's also parts of the game that are not so much that I love, but <laughs> it comes with it. It just right. does, you know. So I did want to ask you, um, how was your initial transition from being a player and a coach to being a ref? Were you, did you have an adversarial uh, interactions with them when you were playing in your days in high school and college? Uh, did you find them difficult to interact with when you were coaching? Did you already have a preconceived notion of all that, or were you reluctant to become a referee? No, I, you know, I, I wanted to stay in the game, and I felt like in doing the lower-level coaching jobs that I did, I found that it was a big commitment to coach the kids, and that I, it was a commitment in time that I just didn't have. Whereas I wanted to stay in the game, and so... Um, I decided to become a referee because then I could pick and choose the moments where I was involved in the game. Mm -hmm. And even as a referee, you're still a teacher of the game, in my, in my beliefs, when you're out there. Um, particularly if I call a foul on a player, um, the, you know, depending upon the level, if it's a little kid, I'm going to explain to him why I called a foul and, and explain to him what he did wrong, whether it's a foul or even a violation. I feel it's it's an obligation of an official um, because more often than not, these kids, uh, they're playing because they like it um, and they're learning the game. Um, and sometimes when a coach says it to them, they don't really listen. But if an official says it, particularly when they do the violation or when they make the foul, that um, you explain it to them at the point, at that time, that maybe they... Uh, they get involved, they, they listen and they learn from it. <clears throat> I always felt when I was a player that I gave referees a hard time. I, I challenged a lot of calls when I played. Um, and so when I do get a player or a coach challenging me now, to me that's my, my penance for the times that I used to <laughs> you know, give uh, referees a hard time and, and whatnot. Uh, but 
But as an official, I find that, you know, if you explain yourself to the coach or to the player why you made the call or why you blew the whistle, um, they appreciate that more and they respect you more and allows for a better flow of the game. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it develops, uh, you gain the respect of the player uh, for the decisions that you make during the game. And um, for, uh, for me, I also would respect the player for accepting my answer, whether he agreed with it or not. And he moved on from it. You know, I find it very rewarding with that. And um, it's very challenging. And as you learn, as you get, gain more experience with it, you kind of learn where you want to position yourself. You, you kind of learn what I should be looking for. And it makes me have more command of the game. And it also gives me more confidence in the, in, the, in the decisions that I make on the court when I blow the whistle. So, um, as a referee, I, I just find it um, a challenge uh, because, you know, when you got talented players out there and they're hustling, they're moving, and you're trying to uh, do the best job that you can and keeping up with the pace of the game... Um, it can get difficult at times. Uh, you could sometimes have the crowd, uh, a decision you make that people don't like, and you have to learn how to hold your convictions out there and uh, and explain yourself. And sometimes it can be very difficult and not easy, um, uh, but you have to have a certain mentality to be able to do that. And the good officials... I think they kind of get themselves out there and they kind of stand out. And you can you can kind of filter out the good officials from the bad officials. I completely agree. You do? Yeah, because, I don't know, you, you and I, I think that when I make a call, it, it's not so much about a conviction of my belief in the call, but it's more that um, I can completely explain what I saw mm-hmm. with absolute certainty, completely objective uh, not putting in or imbuing any of my emotion within the context of the game. I just call it pretty black and white when I see something. Um, and it's really difficult to deal with people that have conviction and they have emotion that's yes. set aside for their particular player. Yes. Um, but I always feel that the best officials are above the fray when it comes to that, and they call what they see, and they can explain and articulate it with rules language to explain as to why something was legal or illegal. Yes. Um, and that, I think that's very difficult in the beginning because refereeing is one of those things where you have to look 100% when you have the proficiency of somebody that has 20%. Yes. And you build up, right? And then even by the time you become a lot better, you're still at 85. Yeah. And then it's like you're trying to lose those extra five pounds, and that 85 to 86 might be in a year, and then that 86 to 87 becomes another year. Yeah. So it's a lot more difficult to be as the best as you possibly get. It's easier in the beginning because you're just wet behind the ears. But that's, that's an interesting point. I agree with that. Well, well you're right. You, you bring up a very good point. But that, that's absolutely right. That um, You can't make up calls because people, will, they'll see right through that. Mm-hmm. You can't make it up. You call it what you see, and you explain that. And the emotional part that the coaches and the players, you know, they have it one-sided. And as an official... You have to be objective. Mm-hmm. And the coach, 
may convinced, may be convinced in what he saw, and in his mind, he is convinced. But there's all angles, there's different views to it. And um, as long as you explain yourself. Yeah, and I also think it's... it's not going to change the call. They can advocate for themselves, and if they feel as though they're wrong, I'll hear them out. But that doesn't change the fact that we have the authority to say that that's final and we can move on. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, I don't want to get to the to the point where he hates me. Yeah, right. you know, I just want to say, look, that's that's the end of that. Yeah, we don't want that. We yeah. don't want that out there. We want to be able to manage the game, and we're not there um, to fight with the players. Or the coaches. We want to be able to facilitate the game um, uh, in such a way that it's a fair contest for both teams. And it should be an enjoyable experience for all. Mm -hmm. So now that you have a lot of equity into officiating, 10 years plus, when it comes to basketball, do you find as though that you find it even more rewarding than any of the experiences that you've had playing or coaching? Do you find that out of all the experiences, I know it's hard to compare because it's apples and oranges, but this is one of those things where it, you know, there's a lot of longevity involved. And yeah. I think the sharpness of mind, when it comes to basketball, the repetition becomes so much that it's more of an improvisational thing, whereas refing is like a, a, a live wire and you're trying to figure out when the landmine happens and you have to yeah. identify where the landmines are. I, I, I think that... Um being a player and being a coach and a, and a referee all have their own rewards um, uh, in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you put an effort in, and as a player, you practice hard. You you work at it. You practice. You practice. And when you go out there, and the and the effort you do in practice is rewarded during a game, that has its own certain thrill. Uh, the same thing as a coach. When you're a coach and you teach to your team um, how to run things and their plays and designs, and the player actually follows that and he's rewarded by that, there's a certain nice feeling that a coach would get out of that. Uh, and the same for an official, you know. Um, uh, the, the official, it's a, you know, you, you're less hands-on than a player and a coach but it does have its own rewards in there. When you feel like, uh, you know, you know, oftentimes you you see if you go to a meeting or something and you resolve a dispute, and everyone's a little bit unhappy, then then you got it right. If you have settled a dispute, and one team is completely happy, and the other team is not happy. Well, then there's something wrong there, uh, and they they all have their own uh, rewards in and of themselves, and. Um, it's hard for that. That's a good question you asked me about uh, a player and uh, a referee. I think uh, I think it just they have their own rewards. That's all, really. Yeah, I find that interesting about your whole origins of playing because I I never knew that. I just always knew you as an official. And then the same thing for me. Yeah, I played in my day. I used to scrimmage the Hofstra team all the time, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of cut it out uh, cold turkey because I, I started to realize that. Officiating for me at that point was more um, important. Um, and I think it's because I've always participated in leagues where I would play with, uh, you know, early 20-year-old kids that, you know, I don't have the same speed as them, but I have mm-hmm. the IQ that's probably double of, of what their experience is. Yeah. But I always, 
I think I had good advice where um, I didn't want to be a 38-year-old that tore his Achilles and limped and then not have the opportunity to continue uh, my uh, being on the court. So, you know, for me, I I never got a chance to really make an impact on my varsity team. I played for Kellenberg, but at the time I wasn't focused. Mm -hmm. I was always worried about the girl in the stands or making a mistake with my coach. It was kind of like the era of Bobby Knight where (laughs) the coach would would just yell at you ad nauseum, and if you couldn't get the job done, it would be humiliated. Um, and then even just in college, I just wasn't focused. I was focused mm-hmm. on other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's like refing is, is a second chance where now I can see some of the best players in the state. And, you know, it's an honor to even share the court with a lot of these talented players. Like the other day, I refed um, Greg Anthony's daughter, Ella Anthony. And she's a Division One prospect. She's a, a junior, but just to see these kids and how skilled they are, and really? you know, being at Island Garden, just yeah. seeing the amounts. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's there's kids that aren't that skilled, but you know, a lot of times you see a lot of kids that are skilled. And and I just think about my, myself in terms of being a, a nine year old mm-hmm. trying to learn for myself. And these kids are getting professional trained um, lessons. Yeah, they're getting constant coaching, and they're getting the reps going full court. Yeah. And I think that's just a great thing. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I'm same same thing like you. I'm I'm just happy to be involved. Yeah. I agree. Um, I agree. What are the questions that I want to ask? So, I did want to speak to you about your experience on the varsity level. Um, I just recently got moved up in Nassau County, um, and I find it a lot different than the JV games mm-hmm. and the middle school games. Just mm-hmm. you know, just real simple things like I'm the last game out of two. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm now I'm the one that's getting ready while the other crew is leaving. Mm-hmm. There's a PA announcer. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's music in between there's timeouts. Music, there's spectators. Coaches know you on a involved. first name basis. Yes, and yes. they're arguing with you rationally. Yeah, sometimes irrationally. Yeah, and just in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, you know, year one, I'm happy because I was. Um, you know, big fish in a small pond, but now mm-hmm. I feel like I've transitioned to being mm-hmm. the small fish in the big pond because yeah. I don't have that same equity that a lot of the veteran officials have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to hear your experience with it, just in terms of, like, coaches, the atmosphere, um, how you feel about the pressure. Yeah, well, the, the, when I first – this is my second year as a varsity official. I got a letter, um, I guess, two summers ago um, – stating that I was moved up to the varsity level. Uh, I was thrilled by it. Um, I, I, was very, uh, I, I was very enthusiastic about it because I felt like the hard work that I put into it has paid off because somebody recognized my efforts mm-hmm. and me trying to be the best official that I could be at whatever level it was. I went out there and I practiced with lower-level games and as many games as I could find. I would do them. And it grew to the point where I was recognized, and I, uh, even from the coaches, because the coaches are the ones who rate you after each, perform- after each game. And apparently I got two years of good ratings that allowed for them to promote me to the varsity level. I was very honored to be part, as you mentioned, Ralph, uh, being a small fish in a big pond now uh, and being recognized by my peers for the work that I put into it. It's very, very rewarding doing a varsity game. Yeah, you're the headliner. 
you know, granted, we understand our role in the game. Play, uh, fan, spectators are there to see the players, not the officials. So we have to also understand our our role in the game. Um, but we're, we also uh, command a respect out there uh, because um, we're in control of the game. And um, I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm at this, the highest level that I do. And I enjoy walking out there and the fans are involved. These are high school students. It's the purest basketball, the purest you're going to find. Innocent players out there doing their best, not getting paid for this. They're out there because they want to be out there. And they're working at it and they try their hardest. And their parents are there watching them, wanting to enjoy their sons or their daughters. And And there are cheerleaders there and there are band members there all wanting to be a part of something that's special, the high school experience that we all have. And I love it. It brings me back to my high school days. I love it. And um, I look forward to every game that I have. Um, And again, I do understand my role in the game, and I don't want to be the game. I want to be a part of the game. And we as officials have to recognize that. And, Ralph, now that you, you're up to that level, you're probably finding that exact same feelings that I get in the game, being a part of something. And you're being a team with your partner out there that you guys have to work together and you have to work very hard together to make sure that you're facilitating and you're managing the game in the right way. And it's all part of the whole process. It's great. Yeah, it is. So... Now that you've achieved varsity status, what do you think your short-term goals is in terms of basketball, and where do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to elevate further? Do you aspire to be a playoff varsity official? Do you aspire to be a state championship official? Yes, I want to be recognized by my peers. If my peers believe that I'm good enough to, um, even even in the varsity level, to achieve uh, ratings and which the coaches believe that I'm, I'm a good official, whereas I can do playoffs and championships, that would be great. I would love that to happen one day. Um, and I would like to do, I, I would do college uh, basketball. I'm 51 years old. Uh, I think the, the professional level is probably behind me. Uh, I think that I started too late. Um, uh, but listen, if, if, if I was asked to do whatever level, I think I would do it. I would give it a try. And that, that's based on my peers again and the coaching staff, the coaches out there who think that I'm capable of doing it. Hmm. I let my game uh, speak for myself. And if the coaches, again, I'm being repetitive, but... If others feel feel that I can do it, then I'd, I'd be happy to do it. One of my favorite attributes that you possess, aside from officiating, is that sometimes you see a, as you said, bizarre scenario, and you try to sift and find it within the rule book. Um, I've often found you many times, especially because <laughs> I wasn't like that before. Uh, I just kind of ref my game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always noticed that you were always 
you know, maybe if you were 40 minutes early, you'd get a bite to eat, you'd sit down, and you, you would read the rule books. Um, what, is, what is your process of trying to gain more knowledge in terms sure. of the rules? Sure. Um, well, and again, we're all students, uh, in whatever capacity that we're doing it, whether it's my partner or I watch games and, and scenarios will happen, and I'll think about it, wow, what would I do? What, would, what decision would I make in that? Is that the right decision? And if I'm unsure, I'm going to look it up in the book. Um, I never dismiss anyone that is willing or wants to offer me advice on perhaps how to view things. And that's not just basketball. That's everything in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm willing to listen if somebody thinks they have a better way of me doing something. Um, Well, as far as basketball is concerned, if I'm not sure what the answer is, I'm going to look it up. So I can be the best official that I can be. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, ironically, Ralph, in that game and this game tonight that we had, I questioned um, uh, something we did during the game. And it happened to be um, after a made foul shot, um, the horn blew for a substitute to come in. And Ralph, you beckoned the player in. I did. Even when I wasn't sure if that was the correct thing to do. Um, And we talked about it. I was not going to make an issue. I would never um, uh, challenge a decision made by my partner, whether it's you, Ralph, or anyone else Mm -hmm. out there, during the process of the game. That's not me. But during a break, when it's you and I alone... Uh, with our thoughts, I'll discuss it. And we did. Right. And that's also a good approach, too, because this is a very low-stakes situation. The mm-hmm. game might have been decided. This is not a real school game where there's people that are rating us. So it's a good opportunity to have a major blunder. That way mm-hmm. you can correct it, and that way you already have the memory of what needs to be applied in that particular situation when it does become high stakes. Yes. So that's why I always appreciate how you bring those little things up, even though it seems as though we're not having the most um, highest intensity or the highest effort of Mm -hmm. us running up and down the court or maybe our mechanics aren't sharp. We're still thinking what needs to be done because we know that this might affect us in the future. Right. So that's sure. For sure. That's good. And in fact, let's, I'll be honest with you. Even later on in that same game, uh, there was a break. There's a transition from one team to the other. And it wasn't, it wasn't um, going to affect the game in any way where I just blew the whistle mm-hmm. and allowed for substitutes to come in. And that's just based on it, 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 basically based on the rule book. If we follow the rule book uh, correctly, what I did was incorrect. Right. But, you know, I wanted the players to get the time to play. The game, uh, the, 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 uh, the game was not, uh, it, was a, it was a lopsided game at the time. And players um, wanted to make sure that they had fun. And so I just made that decision at that time. Right. But that's also another attribute of a great official of knowing the time and place and knowing the scenario in which that you're being put in. Yeah. Right. You're not going to necessarily do everything prim and proper as you would do in a boys varsity game. That's very right. And very true. Me and you were joking. There's three courts at Island Garden. We were on the third, the far end court. 
and we noticed that court two was a little behind and court one was really behind. And I think that really is a testament to your experience over the years of shaving 13 seconds here, shaving a little bit of time here, starting the game a little bit earlier because it compounds. And you notice that when you deal with newer officials, they can't. There's the game. Yeah. Where you ref, and then there's the game within the game. Yes, of how you're trying to keep this right. moving. That's right. So keep doing, sure. your thing, uh, yeah, doing your thing, Steve. Doing your thing, Steve. So I would assume that your transition was really easy in terms of basketball because if you played in college and you played in high school, you already had the feel. So you really just had to catch up with your rule knowledge. Yes. Now the reverse is true to something that you just started, which yes. is volleyball. Yes. Where. You have absolutely no feel. Yes. And you are just simply applying the rules of what you know, and you're trying to learn the feel on its own. Yes, that's correct. That is What's correct. up, bro? Thank you. All right, man. All right. So, yeah, and that's absolutely right. So tell me how you, how you stumbled upon doing volleyball, because right. it's, it's, a, it's a much different game than basketball. It's, it's similar in play yeah. when you're playing, but yes. officiating is not even comparable. Yeah. No, no. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, managing the game, uh, there's some parts that are, are pretty similar. But volleyball, I'm very clear on exactly how this all transpired for me. Um, I have two daughters that um, uh, when you're raising them, uh, you want to get them involved in many things, different things, just to try and see... Um, what they would like because you always want to have them involved in something and my my daughters both of my daughters got involved and enjoyed volleyball and so we were doing CYO volleyball whatnot and as a parent I would be in the stands and uh, in the stands also would be other parents who knew that I was a basketball official and oftentimes when a call was made out on the volleyball court they would say, hey, Steve, what is that? What is that? What is that? And most of the time I was like, I don't know. I'm not an official of volleyball. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know why they're doing what they're, they're just, doing. They're just using the umbrella that you're an official that you would. Yes, exactly right. Halfway know. Exactly right. And as I'm following them year after year with this, I started to understand the game better and the calls that are made by the officials. And... You know, as a basketball official, I found myself thinking, hey, I think I can do this. And I decided to become a volleyball official. Um, So I did some research and um, I spoke to some people who I saw were scoring volleyball and coaching volleyball. And I asked them uh, how I could become an official, if they knew of a website or if they knew somebody that could I could be a con- that could be a contact to me to become an official, and I was able to find um, out a, a, a person who was involved, who ran a class to become a certified volleyball official. So I got her email address and I emailed her, told her uh, who I was and that I was a basketball official and was interested in becoming a volleyball official. And how do I go about becoming an official? She said, that's great. Um, uh, We have a class every spring or every year. 
And if you're interested, uh, when the time comes to sign up for it, I will let you know. And um, I'll sign you up and you can take the class. So, frankly, this happened um, where, as I said, that was great. And then one, one sp- that spring, which was about six months after our initial email, um, she said, all right, the class is coming up. Uh, do you want to sign up for it? And at the time, this was a couple of years ago, I said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty busy with basketball and I don't have the time to do it. So I was like, I'm going to pass this year. But I would still want to be put on a waiting list. And lo and behold, a couple of years passed and she let me know. And I said, yes, I'm interested in doing it. So I took the course this past, we're in uh, December right now, this past June, I took the course. It was at Malloy College. It was every Monday and Tuesday night for eight weeks, and it was three hours a night. And we learned about the game of volleyball. Um, and then after the eight weeks, um, they gave us a rule book and everything, and after eight weeks, we took a written test uh, to test our knowledge of the game. Fortunately for me, I passed and became an official. And then you had to do a floor exam like you did in, in basketball, uh, years ago, and I did that and passed, and sure enough, I became a volleyball official. And just like basketball, um, they give you a schedule in which you're doing low-level uh, volleyball uh, because they recognize that experience is very, very important, and they're certainly not going to throw you into a um, a high-intensity varsity volleyball game uh, where it's way over your head and you're not experienced enough to be able to handle it. So they give you a lower level and for me I'm starting 7th grade girls um, who are also learning the game as are their coaches so we are all learning it together and I admit I'm making a lot of mistakes out there mostly in my signal calling uh, my decision-making, I don't think uh, I'm making that many mistakes. I mean, you know, like any decision that an official makes, the coaches may or may not agree with it. Um, um, but it's not its not at the level where it's that, you know, the, the players are really deciding the outcome of the, the, these games. And they're kind of like allowing for me to make these mistakes as I'm learning the game. And uh, just like when I started in basketball, I'm going to try to do as many games as I can to become the best official that I can. And if it works out where I can um, uh, uh, advance into better competition and higher level, um, I'm certainly going to accept those challenges when they come. But right now, I'm sort of happy at the level that I am because I'm really just uh, uh, very, very inexperienced and still really learning the game. I think that the biggest challenge for you, being a varsity volleyball uh, coach, is that the disparity between what you see in seventh grade versus a varsity game is so vastly different. For sure. In terms of, you know, you can get a girl that is a stud in seventh grade CYO and she might have the most dominating serve 
and just the confluences of different um, situations at that particular time. If you have three kids in the back row that can't pass, yes, it's going to be 14-0. Yes. And the only reason why it's 14-0 is because the girl made a footfall or hit the net. Yes. Not from anything that they've done. Yes. And that's few and far between on the varsity level where there's much more rallies. Oh, yeah. You got to know what's going on in terms of when, when somebody hits the ball, what are you doing on the first first hard-driven ball? Sure. Where, you know, you're not used to that. Maybe you're used to maybe one or two rallies, not yeah. 17 rallies at the time, and sure. it's really intense. Sure, sure. Um, Just but, watching my girls play. Yeah. And... Um, one of them is in college right now playing at the community college. And the level of competition is vastly superior at the college level. Doesn't even look like it's the same game. Not even close. And I remember my daughter as a seventh grade player and how she is now as a college player. Where in seventh grade, it was all she could do to consistently serve the volleyball. Mm-hmm. From seventh grade to uh, a second year of college, vastly vastly superior now and I'm very proud of how she's improved her game through the years through the coaching and everything she's had I find it very rewarding sports uh, is really fun for the most part I agree Uh, the last question that I did want to ask you is um, are you going to pick up a third sport and if, if you did pick up a third sport, what would it be? I know, I know I'm always trying to whisper in your ear about ba- uh, baseball. 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 Um, uh, you know, the, I could see that happening. Um, well, just, just to advocate baseball. Now, I'll, t- I'll be the first one to tell you that it's a lot slower than everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's no clock. Yes. It's outside. Yes. However, however, what it does for your mind in terms of... Uh, now, if you go back and vacillate between volleyball and basketball and baseball, you become the most patient ref. I mean, when you see a kid throwing 80 miles per hour and it's a curveball, mm-hmm. it's a different type of patient officiating decision-making mm-hmm. than it is when you see a travel instantaneously. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you become even slower and yeah. more deliberate in your basketball. So yeah. for me, I found it more rewarding in terms of... Um, you know, one, not being burned out and two, j- just having different experiences and just how it affects your mind yeah. and how you make different connections and how it connects with other things that you uh, officiate. That's a great point you just brought up to me, Ralph, the burnout thing. I find myself sometimes getting exhausted. Right. I just uh, commented on James Washington. Every time he comes here, he always kids around how I'm always here, which is completely not the case because if anyone's here all the time, it's James Washington. Yes, that's true. That's true. However, the only reason why he beats somebody like me and you is because I'm involved in eight more sports than he is. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, if I was here every night doing the same thing, I'd be bored. I think one of the allures of of officiating is having different experiences of, of seeing you in a different context. At RFK High School, sure. doing an adult league. Sure. Then the next week later, we're doing, you know, one CYO team and an AU team. Yes. I find that very appealing that I'm going to have different types of experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can proliferate that experience by doing other sports, mm-hmm. different objectives, different rules. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Absolutely. So back to what I was saying, uh, third sport. Have you ever thought about doing another sport? And if so... 
what would that be? Well, baseball, I would I, I would think I have the most experience um, playing it. I haven't played it, obviously, in a long time, but uh, I think I could probably um, become a pretty good uh, uh, umpire. I'm telling you, you would be an excellent one. You would be an excellent one. Yeah, so maybe I will. The thing that concerns me, though, is no... No clock, no, uh, and it's an outdoor sport where you have to deal with the elements. I'll just kinda, say this. That kind of concerns me. So I've had the same thing, and I realize, and especially from our old pal Barry Getzoff, he used to do all these summer baseball games, mm-hmm. and he would even uh, decide to do that over basketball, which, mm-hmm. you know, at the time when I first thought it, I kind of got into it by accident. I was working with this um, individual uh, in a middle school game, and uh, we were talking about baseball, and he was saying how um, it's his favorite sport, and he just kind of does basketball on the side. And then after the first time out, it was a similar reaction to how I was officiating when you first met me, because um, it was around the same time period. And he was like, man, you should do baseball. And I'm like, I'm definitely not going to do baseball. And I was thinking the same way of how I think about with basketball. It's one hour. It's, it's, it's intense, but short. Mm-hmm. And then we're out of here and we're moving on to the next situation. When I think of baseball, I think of um, a very talented hitter that's down 0-2. And then he has like a, a, a pitch that is kind of low and outside, but he's swinging it off to get a foul. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's mm-hmm. continuing the play. Mm-hmm. And now he's at 16 at-bats and it's still 3-2. to two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never want to do that. I, I, I wanted to be, yeah. you know, 16 minutes running time and we're out of here. Yeah, yeah. But, the only reason why I bit was because he's, he said to me that he was the Catholic League assigner, so I, I signed up immediately. Uh-huh. However, I was able to, since I have experience doing softball, I was already at JV, mm-hmm. and this is only my third year. I think I'm probably going to be on varsity this year, which is really weird for me because I never played growing up. It was the first sport that I, I really followed because I didn't have cable. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of terrible Yankee teams as a kid. Danny Tartable, Don Mattingly, Mel Hall. Um, but well, yeah. but um, I don't know. I, I so find you're, you're doing. You think you're going to do varsity baseball or softball? Baseball, baseball, baseball. But what I was saying to you is that it's it's very short. You know, if you just take the BOCI schedule and you just stay away from the summer ball, uh-huh. if you just kind of do it March, April, May, it's the way I look at it. And even if you do girls basketball, and that could be a third sport for you. Mm-hmm. Um, my schedule basically rolls November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, and that's it. Yeah. I don't have any other baseball outside, just just only school games. So That's a good point. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be like I'm in the summer because it's your yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to convince me to do this, Ralph. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just you saying. You bring up some good ideas. Well, all good I'm thoughts. saying, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I know we're similar at the very lower level, lowest level, the common denominator between me and you, you're a thinking man. Yeah. You like to think. Yeah. You like to get paid to think. Yeah. You like to have a little exercise. Yes. Baseball's no different. Yeah. Baseball, you're just expanding your brain. There's not much exercise in it, though, I don't think. I mean, mental. That's okay. Mental. That's okay. Mental. I get plenty. Listen. That's right. There's nothing like good watching good pitching coming yes. at you. Like, wow, that was a strike. Three. That was a ball. Ball. That's three. He swore. Yeah. yeah I love it. <laughs> so anyway, back to my question. Your third sport, yeah. what would it be? Yeah, probably baseball. Yeah. Did I just convince you on this podcast? I, well, <laughs> you're, you're pretty close. You're, you bring up some good points. 
I like the idea of just, uh, what did you say, April, May, and June? That's it. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's a nice break from here. I don't want to do, do this beer drinking. Oh, no, 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 no. And that's what I started with. That was my second sport that I ever officiated, yeah. softball. Yeah. All right. And what about, and, and just just out of my own curiosity, girls basketball, would that ever be a consideration? Uh, well, sure. Um, uh, yeah, it would be. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm wish you see all of a sudden I'm not decisive. I don't know. You would excel in that. I just saying. Yeah. Well. Um. Maybe. All right. Let's see. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, no. I. I, uh, I enjoyed the conversation we had. It was good. Um. I hope I. Uh, I, I enlighten who's ever going to listen to this. Yeah, I think point. I think you had a lot I of. I hope that's good. I think you had a lot of wonderful gems of somebody would. starting out of, um, you know, just just knowing you. I've known you, what, four years now? Yeah. Um, it's been rewarding uh, relationship that I've had with you. Yeah. Sometimes I've had to switch. Sometimes you've had to switch. Sometimes yes. we've worked together. Yeah. But, you know, there's really nothing better than the camaraderie that you feel and oh, that we're yeah. growing together. I think I think uh, anyone that anyone that's considering becoming an official uh, in whatever sport um, – uh, if they if they feel like they might want to do it, they should definitely try it. Right, and also I just I, I think what what I got out of this conversation too is just humanizing your trajectory of how you started because when I met you and when you met we we were already at a specific footing mm-hmm. that you can't assume of whatever happened of all our pitfalls and our failures. Of, right. Of, right. of whatever happened to us, we already mm-hmm. seen us as a finished product. Yeah. So I don't know. I find it as it's a very desirable thing when you're in it and you're doing well, but mm-hmm. in the beginning, it's very rough. Yes. It's very rough. You don't know anybody. Yes. yes. You feel like an outsider. Yes. You don't know where to get work. Yes. And you find that you see the same people working the uh-huh. same games, uh-huh. and you feel like it's never going to happen to you. But, yeah. you know, I think that you and I are a testament that if you just really put your head down and you really focus on the important things of controlling what you can control mm-hmm. and being happy with what you have, mm-hmm. and when you're present, in the games that you're in, mm-hmm. only good things can happen. Absolutely. Instead of, you know, worrying about where you want to head mm-hmm. when you still got step A, B, and C, and sure. D. Sure. We shouldn't even think about Z. So right. that, that's what I got out of this conversation. That And, it, and another thing, you know, not everybody's an official. Mm-hmm. And anything worthwhile in life takes work. Right. And uh, if you want to put in the work and... You go out there and you make yourself available and you make yourself known. It it can be a very very rewarding experience for you. And I truly encourage anyone that has any thought that they might like it, definitely try it. Great. And you might find that it's something, you know. Like I know, uh, I started when I was um, forty. I wish I started when I was thirty. Right. I, and I started when I was thirty, and I wish I started when I was eighteen. Yes. So that's right. There it goes. That's right. My son is six years old, and as soon as he's legal, he'll probably be ready. <laughs> well, this is uh, Ralph Renolis, and I'm with Steve Kaufman. Happy holidays, everyone. Yes, Signing out. Thank you. I appreciate Thank it, Steve. Thank you, Ralph. Thanks, okay, man. man.